Hey everyone, and welcome to the Marketing Times Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Safranis, and today we're joined by a very special guest, Jim Stern. Jim, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jim Stern. Okay, all right. Um, the short version is uh, I've been in sales and marketing since the beginning. I started selling Apple IIe computers out of a retail store. I sold business computers to companies that never owned one before. I sold software development tools to Fortran and COBOL programmers. And in 1993, I saw the internet for the first time and said, oh, wait a minute, this changes everything. And I started asking people what their online marketing strategy was. And they kept asking me what the person before them said. So that means I was a consultant and started writing books and doing public speaking and eventually started my own conference. Wow. So you've really seen the development of, you know, the modern world with with internet and with analytics and um... yes, I am old. It's true. <laughs> I think that's very interesting. Um, I, I we haven't had anybody on the podcast who can talk about kind of the way that things used to be, and so I, I think that that'd be interesting to um, hear that perspective. I Uphill in the snow, both ways. <laughs> that is how it used to be. So I hear. <laughs> Um, so you have been in sales and marketing for a very long time and, uh, I actually saw on your LinkedIn 25 years. Is that true? Oh, I should update that. <laughs> it's close enough to true. Yeah. Um, what, what is the biggest change in how you've seen companies communicate with customers between then and now? Um, having ears, um, you know, the, the internet, of course, but getting a clue to the fact that customer centricity is everything, um, having a call center that is about listening rather than selling, um, understanding that being responsive is the way to a customer's heart. Um, but I think it is in the incredible multiplication of channels I grew up, the house I grew up in had three black and white channels on TV. There were 17 radio stations, and I only listened to two of them that played rock and roll. Uh, and there was the newspaper and magazines. There were billboards. There were trade shows. That was it. And now there's, what, 87 different channels? And yeah. so you're you're rebroadcasting this uh, through TikTok onto Clubhouse, right? <laughs> We could. We could live stream See? it. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. So you're saying that, you know, in the past, it was really one-way communication from the company to the consumer, and now it's two-way and actually focused on that second, on the consumer and what they're saying. And and that's what the internet really did. It changed everything from push to pull, uh, from convince people that they had a problem, um, explain to them just how unhappy they are that they have bad breath and why they need to buy our product. And then it became a pull environment where I set up a website and if somebody is interested and Google loves me, then they will pull the information they want from me. When it comes time to communicate, that's why it's so critically important to be hyper-responsive. There are different values to different channels. If I just wanna know what time the flight is leaving, a chat bot is great. It solves the problem. It answers the question and I don't have to be on hold or give my frequent flyer number or anything. I just get the information. But if I have a problem and I know that your 
voice response tree is not going to resolve it. I'm just going to keep hitting zero until some human comes up because my call is important to you. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. Yeah, I, I remember I was on the phone with IT for work and they were like, please explain your problem in a few short sentences. And it just didn't get it. It didn't get what I was asking for. And it was a very frustrating experience. I, I don't think we're there yet with text-to-speech, speech-to-text, um, language understanding. I'm, I'm going to make an exception, and that is the type of problem. Uh, what time does my flight leave? That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking for a six-foot umbrella for my back patio. I will transfer you to a human in the <laughs> outdoor department. And that works fine. Um, tech support, if you are my 93-year-old father, those things work really well because his problems are very straightforward. Mm-hmm. You and I, we don't call tech support unless it's really an issue. Yeah. So I want to pivot a little bit and ask about the Marketing Analytics Summit. So you, mm. the, you're the founder, and I haven't seen many other major ways for marketing analytics individuals individuals to network what drove you to create this event? And do you expect more competition in the future? Um, sure, and yes. So um, in 1993, I tripped over the internet. I put on a seminar series around the United States in 95 um, and then started going to internet world conferences and saying, well, where's the presentation about online marketing? And the chairwoman of Internet World said, well, could you give that presentation? And I said, okay. And I stopped at a booth and talked to a, an acquisitions editor at uh, John Wiley & Sons and said, where's the book on online marketing? And he said, do you think you could write one? So that, that got the career started. And then I spent um, seven years telling people that their websites were really painful and ugly and not customer centric and would they please fix it? And I would do this in public with, with PowerPoint and people like IBM and HP and Sun Microsystems would come up to me and say, can you come and give that presentation to my boss? Yes, I am a consultant. And then in about the turn of the century, um, I then tripped over the very young uh, world of web analytics and said, oh, this is great. It's not just my opinion that your website is ugly. We can measure how ugly it is, then we can test how to make it better, and we can prove that it, we did a good job at making it better. So I was very excited about that and did the same thing. The only people I could find to talk about it were vendors. So. One of the vendors, uh, NetGenesis, and the, their founder, uh, Matt Cutler, and I said, let's, let's put together a white paper. We interviewed 25 companies and said, what are you doing with web analytics? And every single one of them said, we don't know. There's just so much data. We don't know how to cut it up to decipher it. We, we, it's just, it's, a, it's more than a fire hose. It's a waterfall. So we wrote a white paper that was five pages of survey results and 65 pages of, this is what you could be doing. A year later, I interviewed another 25 companies and they actually had some answers. And the result of that, it was my, my, what, seventh or eighth book, which was web metrics and how people were actually measuring the success of their website. So, you know, there needs to be a conference about this. So in 2002, um, I, Brought to, I put on a conference in Santa Barbara, California. 50 people showed up. 
30 of them were vendors, 10 of them were consultants, and 10 of them were real people actually doing the work that you're doing today. And they had never met each other before, and they had never had any their peer to talk to before. So it was instant community. And within two years, the audience created the Digital Analytics Association. So that was the very beginning. And when you've got a community coalesced, like you don't, you don't want to let it down, you want to keep going. Now, since then, there's a bunch of places for uh, marketing analytics people to network, and they are every one of them is as good or better than the next. Um, I'm going to recommend Measure Camp. I'm going to recommend uh, marketing analytics and data science. I'm going to recommend um, uh, oh well, if if you really want to go on a junket and you really want to meet the cream of the crop, every January in Hungary there is Super Week that meets in a resort hotel on the top of a hill in the snow, and it's five days and there's nowhere to go, so you are totally networking with with people from all over the world who actually do this for a living and. They are people whose blogs you read and videos you watch and and who, when they present, you pay close attention. Um, and I'm and I'm leaving out half a dozen, and I apologize to everybody that I'm leaving out. Um, uh, the One Conference, the Digital Analytics Association does the One Conference. That one's really good, too. Um, the, the granddaddy of all of those after, after mine, I already mentioned how old I was, is uh, Web Analytics Wednesday, which was started by um, Eric Peterson and June Dershowitz, that was a um, distributed open source event where if you wanted to put one on, you could, and you could use their website to raise awareness and get sponsorships. And it was just, it started out just casual. It's it's one Wednesday a month, let's get, get together for beer. Well, that grew and grew and grew and spread and spread. And there is still, uh, I think, the longest running and largest web analytics Wednesday in Columbus, Ohio. Thank you, Tim Wilson, that every month he brings together 100, 200 people and, and great speakers. Um, so yeah, lots of opportunities. Now, if you don't feel comfortable traveling, if you can't get conference budget, um, the very next best place to hang out is Measure Slack. And if you go to measure.chat to sign up, um, it is, uh, last time I looked, it was 10,000 people, probably more than that now. Um, but it is the watering hole, the conversation place. It is the tech support forum. Uh, it's it's just an amazing, so thank you, Leah Sensi, for starting that. Um, it's It's a remarkable resource. Yeah, it's it sounds like you really do have a knack for connecting people, whether it's creating this event or just you know connecting people in the industry so they can create their own events. You know, I when I was at Internet World, as as one of the breakout speakers, Jack Powell, who was the uh, master of ceremonies for Internet World conferences all over the world, just had such an easy way about him. And he knew everybody and he would, I mean, I remember the second time I ever spoke in that big an audience, I was in the speaker's lounge and he came over to me and said, hey, the speakers are going out for dinner. Why don't you join us? I said, really? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're picking up the tab. We're going to a really nice place. You just come with us. And it was these amazing people who I had been listening to all day. And I thought, holy mackerel, I'm one of them. And when I grow up, I want to be Jack Power. I want to be the convener. <laughs> yeah. Very. And did you? Did you become that person? I I started my own conference and professional association. And now I do believe I have uh, made a footprint in the sand. That's good. That's really cool. It's really cool to hear. Um, so you said that you're, you know, you are also a consultant. And so what would you say to young people who want to go into independent consulting like yourself, doing marketing analytics kind of, but on their own? Adopt a specialty. Find something you love to do, something that, you know, if you, if you won the lottery and you got tired of partying and traveling and, and being a derelict, what, what is it about analytic, analytics that you would do for fun? What is it that's like really intriguing? And take that and divide it up into 10 different parts and choose one of those parts and become the world expert on that thing. And you'll be the only one and you will, you will be the world expert. And when somebody says, I've got a serious problem with this, what do I do? And they go to Google, your blog with 27 blog posts about that one little narrow thing will pop right to the top and they will call you up and say, can you help me? And you will say, yes, here is my fee structure. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's that's fantastic advice. I, it, it reminds me of something I, I was told by a mentor, which is find what you love to do and be the best in the world at it, which is, you know, it's really what you're saying. It's find your niche. As long as the niche is narrow enough. That's the secret. If you want to be the world's best sewing machine uh, um, repair person, that's great, but there's competition. How about the world's best left-handed Japanese sewing machine repair person? Oh, okay now. You carved out a niche. <laughs> pre-war, too. It has to be pre-war. You bet. <laughs> that's right. Antiques. I love that. Yeah. Um, so what do you predict... Actually, let me let me first ask this. So you have a lot of followers on LinkedIn. I think I saw like over 12,000. How did you get there and how are you using it in your career? Um, I, I got there by saying yes when people wanted to connect. By The benefit of having a niche is that you can easily recognize who you want to connect to. So anytime I tripped over anybody that said that they were in digital analytics, it's like, oh yeah, I want to be connected to you because you might want to come to my conference or somebody might be looking for a job and you're hiring or et cetera, et cetera. Um, the main thing that I have used it for in the past is sourcing speakers for my conference. So, um, you know, if, if you are solving analytics problems for your company and you have lots of problems and you've figured out some tricks and a framework, yeah, come and tell my audience because that's, that's why we're here, to learn from each other. Um, it's also a great way for, I've, I have found that better than having my own blog is posting things on LinkedIn. It seems that the business conversation is there. And this is, you know, having watched it change over time. Um, I mentioned Eric Peterson as having started Web Analytics Wednesday. He also started the 
Yahoo Web Analytics Forum, which was, you know, an email list back in the day. And that's where the conversation was until Avinash Kaushik came up with his amazing blog and he is still blogging and it's still amazing. It's called Occam's Razor. Um, and it was when blogs first came out and he, uh, he wrote very well and very deep and the conversation moved over to his blog. He would get a couple of hundred responses to a blog post of people talking about what he posted. And then came Twitter. And then a variety of new bright young things bubbled up, capable in Twitter, and the conversation moved to Twitter. Um, now, I, I still enjoy Twitter. I still use it as a sort of a news feed and to now and then pop off my own impressions. But uh, a, a detailed conversation of business stuff is happening on LinkedIn. Um, is it going to go, you know, I don't see marketing analytics conversations happening on Instagram. It's not terribly visual. Yeah. Um, and, and Clubhouse is interesting, but my God, I don't have time for, no. for you know, to jump in live and listen to people or, or butt in with my own opinions. <laughs> I love it. It's fun, but I just, I'm, I can't seem to make the space for it. And who knows? We're, you know, in another two, five, seven years, um, we'll all be wearing VR headsets and hanging around in uh, marketing analytics in the sky. Yeah. You know. I want to ask you about that. What do you think are some of the future developments in marketing and analytics? Like you mentioned yeah. VR, and a VR and AR. I think that's like huge. I think the way we interact with data is going to change. But what, what are yeah. your predictions? Oh, so let's, you know, let's go back to um, Minority Report, where Tom Cruise puts on the gloves and moves all of the data around with flick of the wrist. Um, I can see that happening. Um, as soon as somebody comes up with a standard uh, definition of, of gestures so that we know that, you know, this means that and moving your hand in that direction does something else. Um, so that's a possibility. Um, being able to share 3D animated virtual charts and graphs, um, no, that's just toys. Unless somebody comes up with a new vocabulary, a visual explanation of data, in which case I'll be wrong and it will be terrific. Yeah, that's interesting. You're right uh, on the on the 3D thing. I, I remember... Um, seeing a data science like meeting happening in when I was just starting. And I, I remember one of them had this 3D chart that they were showing and I saw it and I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And so I asked them like, what was that? And they're like, oh, actually like, we're not supposed to make those because it's very difficult to comprehend three different um, axes at once. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense. So don't like see that as a very cool thing. That was actually not, not the best. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it looks great, but, but how are you helping me understand my business with yeah. this stuff? So that's a mystery. Um, other than that, the future is, um, you know, machine learning. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's happening right now. I think we're, we're really breaking that. This is like the year or at least the decade of machine learning really replacing mm -hmm. a lot of um, optimization processes, for example, like for A-B testing and things like that. Um, that's where machine learning is shining right now. Yeah. 
yeah, it's a it's a wonderful tool, and and I you know uh, watching being interested in online marketing, being interested in analytics. Of course, my latest book is Artificial Intelligence in Marketing: Practical Applications, available at Amazon now. Um, wow! And I see that it is wildly powerful for specific tasks. And the responsibility of the marketing analyst is to know when is it a good tool? When should you bring that tool out of the toolbox? And there's there's some rules of thumb that make it pretty straightforward, but it's you know it's certainly not the answer to all questions. It is it is not the hammer that can slam all nails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a friend who recently asked on Twitter if marketing would be one of the first or one of the last industries to be you know, largely automated with AI. And um, I haven't checked the poll, but what would you say? Last. Cool. Why? So because the first job that's going to disappear is the data scientist. Because this stuff can do data science. That's what it does best. And we will figure out ways for it to figure out ways. It's like the, the accountant who spends all day on his calculator was the one to invent the Excel spreadsheet. Ah, now we can all do what if. So the data scientist will invent the way to do data science. Marketing is if, so when I went to my first artificial intelligence conference, I believe it was an O'Reilly affair, um, there were 20 or 30 vendors in the exhibit hall. And I went to each one of them and said, I'm writing a book. I'm looking for examples. And they, they all trotted out finance and human resources and healthcare and transport. And so wait, 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 I mean, marketing. Oh no, we don't have that because marketing data is so messy. Marketing data is about people, which means psychology it's not engineering, it's guesswork. It is, um, you know, we, we hope, because we're analysts, we hope that Sherlock Holmes was right, that you can easily measure and predict the behavior of a large number of people, and it's impossible to predict the behavior of a single person. And that's what we wanna do. That we wanna do one-to-one -one marketing, we wanna do next best offer, we want to know whether we should send you an email or pop up an ad. Should we? Should it be ten percent off or free shipping? And we are not ever going to know those things because people's motivations are so bizarre; they are not guessable, and you can't get enough data. There's no machine learning model in the world that will understand and explain and optimize the fact that I eat Bartlett pears. When I go to the store and I buy pears, there's five different kinds of pears, and I buy Bartlett pears because I love the West Wing. <laughs> That's a total non sequitur, but it's true. I love that. <laughs> Maybe one day. Maybe one day an AI will say, well, we see a lot of people who are subscribed <laughs> to this West Wing show. <laughs> it it could happen uh, and and the death of privacy will have come true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those those are definitely hand in hand. Um that's very interesting, very interesting. Um so uh, final question 
What do you love about marketing analytics? I love marketing because it is so human. Understand your customers, understand your customer's pain, understand how can I help my customer? And that's a that's a personality trait. I'm I want to help people. That's that's my DNA. Data is a tool that is a new window into the hearts and minds of customers. It gives me more than just my gut feel and my experience. I'm not Don Draper. I'm not going to come up with amazing madmen, fabulous ideas on a daily basis. Maybe, maybe once a month, I get a really good one. But with data, I've got, um, it's, it's like having an extra pair of hands, an extra set of eyes. It's, it is a new window. Yeah. Like a, like a GPS navigator in the 16th yeah. century. Tells there you where we to go. go. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Wow. This has been fantastic. Jim, I want to thank you again for hopping on. Um, I, I really enjoyed learning from you and hopefully there's a lot of people out there who learned and enjoyed it as well. My pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation. Absolutely. And uh, for anyone listening, go to the Marketing Analytics Summit. Um, go to it whenever it's... What, is there one happening soon? Oh, you just missed it because it was virtual. However, we are coming back live and in person at Caesars Palace in June of 2022. Wow, that is very exciting. I will definitely try to make it if I can. <laughs> hey, who knows? You might even be one of the speakers. That would be <laughs> that would be pretty exciting. Uh -huh.